This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to your latest episode of Every Step Along The Way. Bit different this week as we haven't got a game to preview for this weekend with the international break. So we'll have a look back at Luton last week, a nice win there. We'll also be looking at the shock news of Tony Scholes' departure. And then in part two of this, yes, we're going to have a two-parter. It's going to be out on Monday, the second one. We'll also be closing off the Tony Scholes news and also looking at a little review of the season so far. Yeah, so about now I would be you know, introducing Mike, or Mike would be introducing me. Um, but unfortunately, he's not with us with us this week. Well, yeah, he is, but he's uh, he's listening silently in the background. So yeah, I, I remember when I was ill a few weeks ago, he did say I had man flu. So I'm, I'm not going to stoop to them levels. You know, I'm not going to uh, you know say that about Mike. But I will say that he's he's doused up with his calpol and he's got his tixy licks ready. Uh, trying to make sure that we'll be back for next week. Uh, but what this does mean is that this week I'm joined by Ben Rowley of the YYY Files. How are you doing, Ben? I feel like a super sub. I feel like Peter Crouch or something. I feel like <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be the one to make the most substitute appearances on the podcast at this rate. I'm all right. <laughs> How are you? Um, I'm good, mate. Thank you very much. Um, I mean, this isn't the first time we've spoken this week, is it? It's not, no. So... Um... For anyone who's not heard on on my podcast, the Why Why Files, occasionally I I host a game show called Millionaire, um, very similar to the TV show. I've had a few people on so far, varying degrees of success. Um, Dan's a bit of a Stoke City nerd, so I had high hopes when he went in. I suppose we'll have to wait and see what happens for when I can be bothered to edit and release the episode. It'll be sometime before Christmas, I hope. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's worth a listen for sure. Oh well, really, thank you very much for those kind words. Yes, we had we had a good we had a good time and we had a good laugh on that last week. Mm. Hey, last night, sorry. Um, but yeah, like I say we're here today. We're probably going to talk. We haven't got a game this weekend, so obviously there's nothing really to preview in that respect. So instead, we're going to have a look at a review of the season so far. There's been some big news coming out of the club this week with the news that Tony Scholes is leaving after 17 years' service. So we're going to discuss where that role goes now. Is it going to be a different role to what Tony Scholes has been doing? Or are we going to be looking for a more light-for-light replacement? And of course, we'll look back to that wonderful 1-0 win at Luton as well. So we might as well start with the win at Kenilworth Road, aren't we, Ben? So um, what did you did you catch much of the game? Did you watch it? I did. I did watch the game. Um, I missed a goal. <laughs> I'm, I'm absolutely gutted that I missed a goal. Um, I ordered a Nintendo Switch as a early Christmas present, and I took delivery of that. And 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 just as it arrived, the goal must have gone in while I was collecting the parcel. Absolutely gutted. So <laughs> I I essentially sat through a nil nil. Um, for what it's worth, I I think that we were, you know worthy of the win to some extent it was a close game i think you know we took our one big chance of the game and luton didn't take their one big chance of the game hit the crossbar from about two yards out and 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 that is the difference i think it's very cliche to say that sometimes that quality prevails but 
Jacob Brown is having an excellent season and that was just the difference between us and Luton on the day, I think, in the end. Yeah, I mean, I think um, you've probably been quite lucky in that. I imagine you've probably seen the goal since then because uh, it would have been the return of Sexy Stoke, mm. as we've been told. It's um, sort of made its way onto various platforms, hasn't it, as a, as a well-worked goal. I think it's another one where every player touched the ball during the build-up, which is not, it's always nice when everybody gets involved. It is, um, and and it and it's ironic because you you see the reaction of Luton fans after the game. If you've not listened to the latest Wizard Drivel <laughs> podcast, they've done an excellent introduction um, yeah. to their week's episode. Um, but yeah, uh, Luton fans seem to be very very salty. I don't know if it's because of the history between the clubs or if they were just genuinely frustrated by the way that they lost the game in the end, because uh, they would have felt that they deserved a point, sure. But uh, I, I like I say, I, I think it was just the quality that there was a difference, and the goal was quality, as we've seen many times this season. We've not scored many crap goals. I think possibly the only fortunate one was was Stephen Fletcher getting one in in off his groin, and and even that was a heck of a volley by Harry Zuta to set him off. Um, so I. Apart from the blip, the general blip that we had in October, we've we've looked good this season. Yeah, I think I think we have, and it, it's easy to get sort of forget where we were coming into the season as well as after the summer we had recruitment wise and how many bodies we had to get out the door, and you know where people were thinking of of. Uh, I mean, we'll touch more on this later on, but like you know, people's expectations in August. And then the start we've had, and everyone's now they've sort of skyrocketed, aren't they? And a lot of people say, you know, you know, we no way we shouldn't make the playoffs and all that. And it's, you know, why aren't we now challenging for automatic promotion? It's, I think, you know, people just need to wind the clock back a few months and just remember what we were looking at coming into the season. Mm. Mm. Um, uh, I, I mean, remind me of what your preseason prediction was because mine was ninth. Yeah, I, I was, I said somewhere. Like I said, we'd be in contention for the playoffs, but I wasn't mm. sure whether we'd whether we'd get there or not. Mm. This is the thing. I and and this could still happen, of course. I I expected as one way or another to either have a great start and then tail off, similar to what we did last season. Or what I thought was more likely, to be honest, was we've had such a big overhaul of the squad, albeit not the most amount of incomings, but certainly ones that will affect the starting eleven clearly as they have done. I thought it would take time for us to gel and we'd have a better second half of the season. But heck, if we have a better second half of the season than what we have to the first, we're <laughs> we're gonna have a good season. Um, I'm surprised as much as anyone that we're in the playoffs right now. But at the same time, I've said it all along: this this championship season, this, this league, this season is poor is is very poor on the whole you've got teams facing points deductions i think derby are basically screwed i think they've got 21 points confirmed today with a further three suspended reading look like they're going to get points deductions as well other clubs have been threatening how we've survived that in fairness with the losses we made last season we're going to talk about the guy who probably helped avoid that later on um yeah i the way i look at it is Thank, thank goodness we're having a good season because this could be a great time to capitalise on that. Yeah, and I think um, I was discussing like the other day about the losses and that that we've had, and I don't know, maybe it's just it was just things that we couldn't get out of contracts that we couldn't couldn't shift, and that. But maybe we, you know, I don't know. Have we gone to the FA? Have the FA looked at it or the, uh, the football league? Whatever looked at it and said, you know. They've done the best they can. <laughs> is, that, is that like, mm, mm. Oh, yeah, they've not sort of gone out and spent money and gone, yeah. Stuff. I mean, other than obviously the first summer when we, when we were relegated, we sort of did have a bit of a splurge then, didn't we? But I mean, I don't, pretty... I don't pretend to be a financial expert, especially in football. Um, but I, I think we made losses of what was it, eighty or ninety odd million last season. That yeah. that that's just hemorrhaging money, isn't it? Um, That's more more than double the three yearly allowance. Exactly right. Um, however, it sounds like we've we've used the grace period that we got through COVID and what have you. Um, we've used that to its full effect. It sounds like we've we've tried to push all player 
amortization to full effect, hence why a lot of players have left this summer. Yeah. And then everything else written off due to COVID, which is perfect. Who knows whether we'd have made the same money or not. We we certainly didn't make the match revenue. Um but I think with the with the lack now of piracy payments that 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 will add in and factor. And you do wonder now how we'll come out for the next financial year. I, I wonder whether losses will actually look pretty good compared to the last few seasons anyway. I think yeah, I think you're right to some extent. We we took a big hit this year. Um, and I've heard no sniff of any official sources since the losses got announced. And John Percy did an article saying that Stoke have uh, lost a lot of money. Other than that, it, it's only people basically complaining, looking at our loss and going, why aren't Stoke in financial trouble either? Um, probably just jealous Reading or Derby fans. Don't play this back if we get hit with a points deduction in May. Um, we'll have to see, I guess. I suppose that's the beauty of having Tony Scholes, an accountant in charge. Mm. <laughs> e fifties, obviously, yeah. Not saying there's anything dodgy in what I think. Oh no, 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 no. There's been efficient. He will. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's efficient, like I say, efficient um, keeping of the books. Exactly. Right? So yes. Um, but yeah, getting back, obviously, like um, sort of getting away from the Luton game there. Um, mm. What did you think of uh, Nathan Jones at the end? It was nice to see Harry Suter and Tyrese both straight in there as well. She had a bit of team spirit. Yeah, yeah. Um, we we know from his time with us, like, Jones wears his heart on his sleeve, doesn't he? Um, and I don't know what that argument was about, whether it was about the game, whether it was about Jones' time at Stoke, whether it was about something between Tymon and Jones personally. I mean, he was the one that sent him to Portugal on loan. Um, so, I, whatever it was, there's there's been bad blood between Jones and Stoke and then Tymon and Jones, I think of last year. Was it last season when, when that, uh, that, that, that picture, that famous picture got retweeted by Tymon and very swiftly got taken down. Um, yeah, I, what do I make of it? Handbags, really. But I, I, Jones must be looking at how Stoke are doing now, especially after being beaten the majority of times that we've played them, that we've played them since since he left. And he must be thinking, what? Where did I go wrong? Because he definitely <laughs> did. You know, he he came in with the right ambitions and and. Most people, me well included, fell in love with him when he was at Stoke, and I, I was upset to see him go. But look at what O'Neill's doing now with not the biggest amount of change since. And and well, Jones has done an excellent job at Luton, but he's got to look back on his time at Stoke, and and he messed up big time. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think if you look back at the last three managers, you've sort of got polar opposites in Rowett and Jones, haven't you? In the Rowett was sort of like dour and you know, wanted to seem to fight the fans. Arrogant almost. Yeah, yeah, just really difficult to like. <laughs> well, Jones was almost like he was so humble. He was like he was a proper like he he like he is like a student of the game. He's always learning, always wanting to learn, always wanting to give something. Probably didn't believe in himself quite enough, maybe at the time, or or was was too regimented on what he heard was right rather than doing what, what, what he should have done, and that is getting the best out of his players rather than saying, right, you've got to scrap what you're doing and and, and go by the book and go by what he thought was the best formation in, in the diamond, and it, and it obviously didn't work with us. It seems like he's changed that with Luton now. I don't think they've been playing a diamond for quite some time now, um, unless I, I've got that wrong. But either way, um, he's certainly learned from his time here, hasn't he? Yeah, it's it's weird because there seems to be quite a few players who've sort of made comments since he left um, about the other way he handled them, and they seem to be the younger lads. I mean, like Campbell, you know, I think he's, but I think he's, I mean, time and are quite close as well, aren't they? So mm. it might be linked in with the, with the treatment of, of uh, Josh Timon. But I remember 
when he was here, he never used to play Tyrese Campbell. Then he used to say you were fit enough for the last ninety minutes. But well, and look at him now. Like I know we got injured by him, but you you look at that run of games he had last season, and he was incredible. And he played the majority of minutes. Did he get substituted sometimes? Yeah, of course he did. He's a young player and he's an attacking player as well. It's not unlikely that an attacking player gets subbed, particularly if we're winning in games, which we were. Um, maybe was he overplayed and that didn't help his injury? Maybe. But again, Jones made a mistake with him. He badly needed a goal scorer and, and he had one of the best in the league. Sat on the bench pretty much. Yep. Sent him out on loan. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, yeah, like I say, Rowett was wanting to fight the fans. Jones was sort of like I say he was trying to get everybody. To, he seems to be like desperate for the love, didn't he? he wanting mm. to unite mm. everybody, and it did. Whereas the fans did sort of take to it first, and that passion, and everyone seemed to enjoy that, and sort of wearing his heart on his sleeve, and everything being outgoing and. and and visible, and then obviously Michael O'Neill came in, took the reins, and obviously yeah, was that happy medium between the two, wasn't he? You know, he's not. Mm. He obviously gets the job done without being flash, without being in your face. But he's, he's out of the three of them, he's the one who's made it work. Yeah, he he's he's possibly confident. Um. You know what I mean? So, like, if we're talking about Rowett being arrogant and, and Jones being too humble, perhaps not enough for the personalities in the dressing room. O'Neill, although respectful, definitely, has, he seems like a very lovely bloke from what we've seen of him. You know, he's quite commanding. Like, he he earns the respect rather than demands it. You can see that. And I don't know whether he leads by example or whether he's just good with words in a dressing room, but you know, the players clearly want to play for him, even during that time where we weren't good this season. That team was still working hard, albeit I think we switched off mentally big time. Um, I've, I've I've not seen us down tools. Even last season where we weren't particularly good, I think it was just a, a lack of attacking threat, really. Um, yeah, yeah, they do ground... Like I say, last season, probably even more than this, they grinded the results out, so they were showing the commitment there. Really, mm. that they had to, because they didn't have that attacking threat. You know, um, Stephen Fletcher was rarely 100% fit last season. Tyrese obviously was missing for two-thirds of it. Um, Nick Powell... And not once have you heard a player go, I'm not playing enough football, when there's so many that could be. Alfie Doughty, bless him, signed <laughs> it's nearly 12 months ago now. He's barely played. I know he's been injured um, up until the start of the season, but he must have been it, or thought he was a shoe in into this team, and he's barely featured. But he's just sat there and got on with it, as as has the rest of the squad. You think about the amount of strikers we've got, the midfielders we've got, even in defence as well. To be honest with you, the amount of centre backs we've got, no one seems to be complaining. Maybe it's kept in house and O'Neill deals with it, but no one's felt like they've had to go to the press or anything like it. It it all seems to be uh, a fairly tight knit group, mm. and that's good. They're playing for each other on just their own personal benefit, which is nice for a change. Yeah, because I mean, with Doughty, especially when he has been, when he has played, he's looked, he's looked good. good. Yeah, he's looked good. He's, 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 you know, I, we want to get him in the side, and then you watch Josh Diamond play a few days later. Like you know, if Doughty's played a cut game midweek, you thought, oh yeah, I can't wait till he's in the team. Get to Saturday and Josh Tymon, you know, plays as uh, what Doughty played plus ten percent. You think, well, that's why he isn't playing. And I think that sort of competition's really done down the left hand side. Um, we're wonders for the pair of them, but I think um, Tymon's form's dropped off, and unfortunately, I think Doughty in that last start he had was probably his worst game he's had this season, which was unfortunate really because if he'd had a good game there, I think he possibly would have come into the team. I know he's had an injury recently, but I think he would have come into the first 11 on, like, for the league games, possibly just to give time and a rest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think his, his form just dropped at the same time as Timon's. But uh, I'm sure they'll, they'll come good again. And like I say, they're pushing each other on, which is the kind of competition you want. Yeah. Uh, I've got a message here from Mike. He, he's uh, obviously, like I say, he's in the background, folks, but he's 
He sent us a message. He says, Jones wasn't a manager the big-name players respected. He hadn't really done anything worth respecting in the game. So what do you think about that, Ben? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I think certainly the first point we've 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 mentioned and we've agreed with. You know, he he the 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 players clearly revolted on him towards the end. They didn't believe in his system. They didn't believe that he was playing the right players, and he wasn't, was he? Um, hadn't really done worth respecting in the game. Perhaps yes. I I think his 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 job at Luton was unfinished, and maybe would have got a bit more publicity if he'd have stayed that season and got them promoted because they they were excellent. And you think that he brought players who are like James Justin, who's at Leicester now, uh, Jack Stacey, who's at Bournemouth, um, and and the job he's done with Luton since he went back to them, you know, they were they were dead on their backside. By the time he rejoined them, and and look at where they are now, you know, were they in the playoffs when we played them last weekend? They must have been pretty I close. To be, to be honest, the, the division's that tight around the, that fifth, sixth position. Exactly. If, if they were out for the playoffs, it would have only been on goal difference anyway. Mm, mm. I, I think because he's he, like I say, he seems like a humble bloke. That hurt him, and I think the. The job he did was good, but he probably didn't give himself enough credit, certainly in the eyes of the squad anyway, and, and they felt like that they could just walk over him, and they and they did, really. Yeah, I think um, maybe just, I say, maybe it just came too soon. Look, the, mm, he left, he left the Luton team, and I mean, the first half of that season, they were winning, they were scoring six, seven goals at home in games, yeah. weren't they? They were really ripping yeah. up that league, and yeah. um yeah, hindsight's a wonderful thing, and so it must be difficult when you know people come along and offer you a job higher up. You probably looked at Stoke and thought, you know, the owners are great, the facilities are top notch. Well, how many managers have left us because uh, left in recent years because we're a good project? You know, um, Rowett did it, left left Derby because he thought that we were better. Um, Jones left Luton because he thought we were better. Michael O'Neill cherished by northern ireland left us to come to us you know like yeah with like with players as well you think when we got relegated and and yes they didn't turn out to be the best personalities but you think of the 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 level of attraction this club still has it's it's waned a little yeah sure and 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 rightly so but it it is testament to the fact that we've still got some pull power i really think we do yeah, I think I think it is. I think we've, um, like I say, we're we're a big name in this division still, at this point, and I think it's going to be take you know three, four, five years of mediocrity and that for that to wane away. I think, and but I don't think the the owners will allow that to happen. I think once the the shackles of the the FFP are released, um, which I think is going to be this summer, as far as I'm aware. I think it'll, yeah, it, we we haven't got the burden of those massive contracts anymore. Um, no. We won't be getting parachute payments, which which sort of off offset those. But yeah, they they're not the noose around our neck now. Where before we probably couldn't sign players for for any sort of money or on big contracts, just in case we didn't get rid of those players. Now we have got rid of those players. And the players that we have got are probably on much reduced wages or are promising. You know, it, we we probably do have a bit more flexibility. We've got some sort of uh, confidence in the academy as well. So we're probably going to be going for players that are a bit more risky, like we did this summer. Because I, it seems like the view is, well, if, if we don't sign anyone good enough, we'll bring someone in from the academy. And, and by God, that's worked. Yeah, and I think I like the the long. There seems to be a long term vision with that as well. Like they're, they're looking at players who, like say, bringing them in from the academy, and there's that many youngsters now that are coming in, training with the first team, and dropping back into the, you know, dropping back out into their the relative age groups that they're at. Mm. And I mean, you know, the, the, there are certain names in that that you know around the, the under twenty threes and the under eighteens. They're getting more and more exposure. You get more exposure than others. 
I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of names in there that could come in, especially it seems to be attacking players as well. And they seem they seem to play the same way, isn't it? There's that sort of continuity through the age groups of how we're wanting to play in the sort of the, the high tempo and the pressing and the and the pack getting the ball down and passing it around. And that's good because that will open pathways because the manager can go and see them playing the way he wants them to play for him. There's no point in, there's no point him saying that he wants the goalkeeper to pass it to the centre half and you know for to take your time, pass it around, pass it around one two touch, but uh, um but obviously with purpose, waiting patiently for your gaps, but moving it at pace, and then go to watch the under twenty threes and seeing them lump sixty, seventy yards ball forward. Because he's going to say, "Well, I, I, I'm seeing nothing here that's going to help me on a on a Saturday afternoon at three o'clock." <laughs> mm, mm. It, see, it, is, yeah. it, it is promising. I feel like we are getting a, a, a perhaps a little bit carried away. Don't forget that we were like a month ago. Some people calling for the manager's head, wrongly in my opinion. But we're only two wins away from being terrible. So let <laughs> let's hold on to our hats. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, no, I, I, I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't getting carried away as in I was going to. I was just um, more along the lines of there's there seems to be a long term vision in place. Yeah, as there seems to be steps in place and and there's there's plans. It's not just ad hoc. It's not just well. Let's just throw money. They're not just throwing money at it and see what they can do. Mm. It seems that the managers come in and said, you know, I want this is how it's going to be. This is how you're going to be. The youth teams will play this way. This is what I'm looking to produce. This is what I want, and everybody seems to be on the singing from the same hymn sheet. Let's hope and so. That, I mean, yeah, time will that, tell. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. I mean, is there anything else you want to talk about regarding the Luton game before we move on? Uh, let me think. What do you think of Sawyer's? Because I think a lot of people had him down as man of the match that game, right? I'm sure we'll come on to that. But uh, yeah. he. He's still one for me that's blown hot and cold, particularly in October when, when we, when we weren't at our best by a, by a long chalk. Um, I thought he he has the potential to let the side down sometimes with some really stupid passes, and then at, at the same time he is uh, just he can transform in, into this wonderful midfielder for us that we've been missing since, you know, you're talking. And Zonzi days, right? That 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 sort of quality of player at that respective level, we we see it in flashes. I think we've definitely seen it in the last two games, and he's been worthy of his place in the team. But you think about Mario Vrancic missing out, and Nick Powell is injured. What on earth happens to this midfield in a couple of weeks, couple of months time? <laughs> it's an embarrassment of riches, isn't it? I mean, it's... <laughs> It's what do weird. you do though? Genuinely, what yeah. do you do? I assume it's going to be horses for courses, but but it's too good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully, like you say, it'll be a bit of horses for courses, and and the fact that we'll be able to rotate them around, regarding on the opposition, and you know whether we're home and away, will just sort of keep everybody fresh and fit. Hopefully, <laughs> I'm looking mm. at unit pal. <laughs> <laughs> I think. <laughs> I I wonder why some people, including myself, have have gone in on a bit of a pile on on players like Sawyer's and and Allen to some extent as well this season when he's not been at his best. Um, bearing in mind, I think he's been better in his last couple of games than he has been. Um, I think it's because we 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 have better options, right? We we genuinely do. Like if someone plays poorly in a game, whether it be in defence or, or, or up front or in midfield, we we have great squad depth everywhere so if players like Jacob Brown Sam Surridge, Romain Sawyers even players like Harry Souter or Ben Wilmot who've been at a lot of them excellent for us this season if they have a bad game people are going to pile on and say well why didn't we give Danny Bart a go why why didn't we give Stephen Fletcher a go and um, oh now they're in the team look at how well they're playing the thing is, no matter how good these players are, they're all championship players and they're all going to have off days. If they didn't, they'd be in the Premier League already. Um, so I, I'm i only saying these things because I, when we lose again, because we will, and we'll probably have a bad month again at some point this season, 
I hope that there's not a pile on the players and the manager like there sort of was in October. Um, yeah. I was a little bit guilty of that, saying like, you know, we're being too arrogant in the fact that we weren't seeing games out professionally. We were just letting them happen and look what happened. We we, we were losing and drawing when we definitely shouldn't have been. But at the same time, we are allowed to make mistakes even though we have better options in the team. Yeah, I mean, I think we've got a very young side, haven't we? And I think it's easy to forget that, especially looking at that back mm. line. In yeah. the, you think the, you know, Joe Bursic's 21, Ben Wilmot's just turned 22, Leo Ostergaard's 21, mm-hmm. Harry Suter's only 23, mm-hmm. Josh Tymon, 22. It's, I think it's easy to forget that there's a lot of inexperience there together. Mm. And I, and I thought at the start of the season, I know you said, you said at the beginning, didn't you, that you thought we'd have a better second half. I thought we would have a better second half of the season, mainly because we'd be that much more experienced having yeah. played 20, 30, 35, up to 40 games together as the season goes on. And I thought we'll be a different team in May than the one that started the season in August. It's just, and hopefully that momentum, because the play, you know what the playoffs are like, if you get into them with momentum, that, that can be enough to carry you through a lot of the time. Um, we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that one, you know, six months down the line to see where, where we are. But um, yeah, that, that, was, that was my thoughts that we would, as the season progresses, we will make mistakes. And we've, and especially as, the way we play as well, we can't, the fans can't be so, you know, lauding the football and, oh, isn't this great? All this lovely, you know, one touch football and pass it around and you know the defense carrying it out and then as soon as they make a mistake jump straight on the back because they are going to make mistakes like i said they're not you know, these aren't you know world-class international footballers these are young footballers a lot of them learning how to play and even the ones that you made this is so somebody like danny Bart playing like this is it's different isn't it it's, it's a new style for him to learn even at his age so he, he probably is going to make mistakes. He probably is going to give the ball away. He's not going to move it quick enough or take too many touches or be unsure who to pass to. But the more they play it, the better they're going to get at it. But you've just got to accept that there is going to be the odd mistake going to be thrown in there. It's how you, it's how they react and how they learn from that that's the most important thing. Mm. And and I think it is fine to criticise. Like I I I I have criticised the team this season, even. Hell, I, I was at the Brentford game in the cup and, and we were losing, I think we were turning all down at some point and we were clearly playing very sloppily and yeah. I remember at some point during the first half the fans got fed up and they started booing the team midway through the game. It wasn't anything particularly aggressive, it was just like, this is not good enough, Stoke. And the players reacted to that and since then they played much better. It's weird, isn't it? I, I think you're allowed to criticise where I think it's gone too far is that the same players, the same manager that is, is in such good stead this season and 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 previously and surely beyond as well. They're calling for their heads, the players and the manager after after four bad games. That's where it joined. Like you're allowed to think that Michael O'Neill is not the god of the potteries and at the same time not want him sacked. Like that's completely okay. <laughs> Yeah, I I couldn't I couldn't believe what I've seen with those like you know, O'Neill out and stuff. It's it, what do people? I, I just I was wondering what they expect or who they expect to come in or where they think we should be. Mm. I I I honestly couldn't tell you. I like <laughs> O'Neill is our best option at this moment, and that's not because he's he's the best that we can get because we're rubbish and no one's going to want to come to us. We've proven that wrong probably three times in the last three manager replacements, you know, people do want to come to us. It's 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 just more I think he's he is doing good for us. You mentioned about a long term plan. I think this is the best we've seen since Mark Hughes. Yeah, I'll go with that. Definitely. Um and I think we we've just seen that, you know, within a short space of time we had Mark Hughes, we had Paul Lambert, we had Gary Rowe, we had Nathan Jones, now we've got Michael O'Neill. And you've seen the job he had to do this summer because constantly changing the manager and changing the style and the approach and what that manager wants and who he built, which players he wants, which players he doesn't want. 
and you saw the you know we were just stockpiling players because a manager comes in and he says, well, I don't want them 12, them ones will do all right, but I want you to go buy me these seven, eight, nine, ten players. And then 12 months later, you get to the sack, and the next manager comes in and does exactly the same thing. So you you end up, and, and then, like say, you end up with a massive squad with half, you know, two-thirds of them out on loan every season because you can't find anyone to take them permanently. And and you you know that that's a surefire way to losing a lot of money and you're not progressing. Mm. At the end of the day, and you need a man. You need to give a manager time. You sort of, you know, it, you know, Tony Pulis was here for like, barring that one season, you know, um, when Boskamp was in charge, he was here for a decade. Hughes was here for what five, five seasons, nearly four and a half seasons. We're not generally a club that just goes out and sacks on the back of two or three bad results, and that's not going to happen anyway. So. Yeah, the fans could, could probably call for us as much as they want, but it, it, it was a, I don't think the coach were even remotely considering it after four defeats, after what has happened previously anyway. Hmm. I, I just can't get how, how you can't be happy with this at the moment. How could you not feel somewhat positive about what's going on at Stoke at the moment? I, I just can't understand why... You haven't got the tiniest bit of faith in O'Neill and the regime at the moment. Each their own, but there, there, there's clearly signs of promise. If, if not, the success being shown on the pitch at the moment. So that's that's been a very. Uh, we've gone off a bit of a tangent from the Luton game there, but what yeah. <laughs> one, one thing I will add, um, just looking at because obviously we run a man of the match poll um, after every game. Mm. And uh, you it's interesting you were saying about Romain Sawyers. Now, for the season, where do you think he stands? What position, like, with all the results of dotted up, where do you think he sits? I mean, in my opinion, I reckon you're going to have defenders up there more than attackers and midfielders, just because defenders tend to get an easier rap, more reliable. Um, I reckon Sawyers probably he's 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 played a few games so he's gonna get some points bless him um don't know top eight so i'd say harry suter is in first place mm-hmm. josh timon's in second place yeah and then remain sawyers is in third oh that's that that that's higher than i thought he has had a good few get this is the thing he can be very man of the match and yeah. he can be very one out of ten as well. He's so depending on how you score your, uh, depending on how you score your leaderboard, I can see why he he can shoot up there very quickly. And as I say, he's actually played quite a lot of games for us as well. When you think about the injuries we've had to midfield and the rest that we've given to certain players, he's been needed. And and actually, I'm assuming we'll talk about the season as a review in a minute if we haven't done already. But but he's been an excellent signing, really, when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, if you look before the last international break, on our man of the match polls, he'd only he got a second place against Hull at home, and he got third place in the way at Derby. Since the last international break, he's played seven games and he's scored points in every single one of them. Oh, there you se- go. I mean, I know some of these were defeats, but he had second at Sheffield United away. He was fourth against Bournemouth, second against Millwall, man of the match against Brentford. Uh, he was. Fourth against Cardiff, fifth against Blackpool, and man of the match against Luton, which is a run that no no other player has come anywhere near scoring that many games in a row. Mm. I think Harry Suter's best run is only uh, what? Look at this. Harry Suter's best run is only three games in a row. <laughs> so oh, he certainly he's, he certainly seems to be catching people's eye a bit more, if nothing else, in the last few games. But yeah, like I say, I think we've wrapped, I think that's wrapped up uh, Luton pretty well. <laughs> Yeah. I think so. Tied it up in a yeah. bow and sent off back to back to London, way. <laughs> so um, yeah, so we'll move on now to a bit of talk about Tony Scholes. And I mean, this news came was really out of the blue for me. I was not expecting um, to see this pop up on my phone. But he's leaving the club after 17 years of service. So obviously, he came in in 2004, replacing uh, Jonathan Fuller as chief executive. And um, yeah, he's going to be leaving to take up a position within the Premier League. So, uh, what do you think about this, Ben? 
genuinely, when I saw the news, I was shell-shocked. Like, there was no other emotion than that, because I think I, like a lot of Stoke fans, will see Tony Scholes' time at Stoke as varied for a number of reasons on and off the pitch. I was just shocked to see him go, because since I've been a Stoke fan, and since a lot of people will have been Stoke fans, right, he's... He's been there. He's been part of the ride. He's overseen so much. You know, you're talking about the back end of 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 that ridiculous era that that we're <laughs> that we're so uh, clued up about now. And 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 what's followed is just another remarkable ride. Up ups and downs along the way. Some some great initiatives that the that the club have have made and and genuinely like. The club on and off the on and off the pitch have been something to be proud of, and at, at, at the same time, I've been genuinely ashamed and embarrassed by Stoke as well. Um, him as the chief executive is going to be heavily responsible for all of that. Um, that's the nature of the job, but it, I I just couldn't I couldn't I couldn't see him going. I thought he was just going to be one of those. He's part of the furniture now, especially with the owners in charge. Um, he must be taking up some big position within. Because I think it is it within the actual league. It's not with a club, is it? It's with it's within the Premier League or, or organization, is it? Yeah, um, the way it was worded, yeah, it's going to be mm, with with the Premier League. Itself. Yeah, um, it sounds like it because he did try to get on on that sort of level with the Championship, didn't he? Um, I think he wanted to. To drive the the new financial rules, didn't he? He didn't quite make the cut. Um, looks like he's going to have some sort of a say with the Premier League now. Um, so he 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 must be taking up a great position with them. Um, all all I can say is, or all I think now, is that I can't help but feel that this club is going to change, big time, better or for worse. This club is really going to change. Yeah, I think I think you're probably right. And I mean, we we were on a poll uh, today just to see um, what people thought about, obviously, like you know, how do we go forward from this? Um, and the question was, you know, following the decision of two schools to take on the Premier League position, is it time for a change in the structure? Do we move away from somebody like you know, a light for like replacements, or do we bring somebody in just to you know, to, to do the same job as he's done? And it appears that, um, yeah, 36%, 36% said that they would like to see a change in the structure, maybe like a, a technical director come in, take some of the job roles off a chief executive. Um, but 64% said no, just get somebody in to do the same job, the same way that Tony Scholes did it. Well, obviously their own way. I, well, well, what do you think? I think that if we are to going to become a modern club, then we need to change the direction slightly and a technical director to oversee. I mean, I know we had sort of Mark Cartwright was sort of in there, wasn't he? And he mm. left the club. And he got blamed for a lot of what went on. And then obviously when he's gone out, Tony Scholes gets a lot of flack for, you know, the transfers, contracts. It, because obviously we don't really hear from people in the club. We, we, they're, they're very sort of they're very quiet, aren't they? they don't, we don't hear um, breakdown and such. And obviously that yeah, that that's their prerogative. How much information they want to divulge to the fans around the day to day running of the club. But it would be nice to know how much involvement he actually had in a lot of the things that people are giving him criticism for. If you got what I mean, mm. <laughs> like. It was like transfers. Did he really go out and, and buy these players? Or was he just signing checks that the chairman's you know, the chairman said, give the manager what he wants, the managers and the you know, Mark Cartwright, whoever have gone out and you've know, got these players and he's just said, Well, I've been told to just get the deal over the line, so that's what I'm doing. Mm. I mean Stoke City is a if we take away the football club aspect for a moment. Stoke City Football Club 
or Stoke City Holdings, I guess, whatever you want to call it, is 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 a large scale business, right? Huge with hundreds of employees. Um, Tony Scholes is not going to be the one sat there looking at a football manager style scouting system, looking up players like Kevin Wimmer and deciding that he's going to hand him a five year contract, right? He he will he will have had someone do that for him. Um, now, of course, is is Tony Scholes responsible for hiring people like Mark Cartwright and therefore whoever Mark Cartwright had underneath him? Absolutely, he is. The book stops with him at the end of the day. Um, you know, you can forgive one or two mistakes here and there because that can be the fault of you know, the general staffing level or even, you know, the 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 manager or the director above him. You 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 point the fingers at Mark Cartwright for a few things. Um we've done some great recruitment over the last ten years. We've done some awful recruitment. Um but Tony Scholes' role was was much bigger than that. He he was the 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 chief executive of all operations at the football club. And we forget sometimes that that is bigger than, you know, what a technical director does. A technical director is very much focused on the football. And of course, the football is a huge component to any football club, any 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 football club business, because you know, promotion will allow you to to explore avenues you never could before. Relegation will see you sack dozens of people or make them redundant, probably. Um but the, there's all sorts. There's 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 fan engagement, there's match day experience, there's 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 community work, and you know, there's there's so many good people in the club at Stoke, um, whether it be in the media department, whether it be in in the communities we've mentioned, whether it be in marketing and relations, PR, um, Tony Scholes will have will have been the boss of all of these people. Don't forget. Um, a big part of his role, of course, will have been the the day to day run of the football club. But I think you know when you're a CEO, your job is so much more than just that. How how could you possibly have a minute say in everything that happens? Certainly, everything gets vetoed by him. But if he's not given that correct information, then you're screwed, aren't you? This is not me defending Tony Skulls because, as I've said, the book stops with him and. You've got to say it, relegation and whatever else have you, and anything, you know, the 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 lack of modernization of the football club because we are a more traditional football club. I feel um, that's a consequence of him and his recruitment of you know the director level within the club. But at the same time, he's he's done some great things too, and this is why I'm conflicted with with his era. Because I've had the best of times as a Stoke fan, I've had the worst of times as well. I'm going off a bit of a rant here, and I'm sort of sitting on the fence as well. But I don't, I can't see how, because of also the engagement of the owners too, they seem to be more withdrawn by the year now. How could you not have a CEO in charge of a football club? Yeah, I mean, I'd say. To... He's, he's been there 17 years, hasn't he? And the, I reckon when he took over in 2004, football looked a lot different and the world looked a lot different. Stuff like technology advances in the past 17 years. And I think that's that's probably where you can really like, sort of beat him with a stick kind of thing. And he hasn't really pushed on with those advances mm. like other clubs have. And that possibly is the fact that, yeah, he's been in the job 17 years. He's probably got more... I know that these th- these things have worked so far. I don't need to change them. Why would I do that? <laughs> and that, that might be the way he's thinking. It's like, like you said now with the, the Coates family and that. I think because obviously before Angio, in previous 10, 15 years, they, they've always been able to, so they've always had an open checkbook wherever they've been able to have on it. They've always, you know, you know, spend the money, whatever you need, let's get it success. Whether that was getting promotion, stabilising us, yeah, getting us into Europe, top 10 finishes in the Premier League, whatever that was, they were always happy to back the manager. And like I say, they've not, you don't very rarely hear from them these days. And whether that's because 
of stuff, the constraints of FFP, and there's not really they can't really get involved financially back in like they, that they have been able to in the past, and they're sort of treading the, the club in from their end is sort of treading water until those rules are more favourable towards them, and then maybe you'll see them come more into the front again. Um, Maybe it's like a, a COVID thing as well. Maybe, you know, there was no fans at the ground for such a long time. Um, that you know, you've lost that sort of interaction as well, haven't you? And and obviously as well that you know, we've I've had a change in structure at the very very top. Have we? Peter Coates was was the chairman um, for such a long time, and obviously John Coates is sort of I think he's officially co-chairman with Peter. Mm. I got that yeah. right? Yeah, I think so. Official, yeah, officially, but I think it's sort of yeah, the handover is sort of taking place into overtime. Um, and like I say, they definitely just need, they definitely need, they needs a figurehead there, doesn't they? At the, top, at the top of the club, somebody who is like say is responsible for for what happens and is sort of accountable. That's the thing, and I don't think that I think that's what's annoyed the fans. There doesn't seem to be any accountability. What's gone wrong in the past, like you know, fourth, you know, until the last couple of years, the you know, three or four years before that. Um, I mean, I, I know that people sort of throw the contract situation at, at, at Terry Scholes, don't they, and say, you know, you had all these players on four year contracts and that they were being held out. But yeah, if you flip, if you flip that over, if we'd given them players because we were in the Premier League for 10 years, there was always seven clubs who'd been in the Premier League longer than us, and they were the big seven clubs that had never been out of the league. Mm. By the time we got relegated, we were the eighth longest-serving team in that division. They probably, they probably didn't see relegation coming. They probably didn't... They couldn't plan. They'd gotten away from planning for relegation when sort of you know when Mark Hughes had come in. He started looking upwards rather than worrying about going down. And I think that's how they got them three ninth-place finishes. The rot had set in, and maybe they'd sort of been blinkered and not been proactive enough around that to stop it coming. But what I will say with these you know, these big contracts and stuff, yeah, the players didn't work out, and we were saddled with a lot of players on long-term deals who didn't want to play for us. Now, if you flip that, what happens if you say to someone, right, I'm not going to give you a four-year deal because what if it all goes, it all goes tits up, so to speak? We get relegated, and you you don't want to come around here, and we've got to find you a loan deal for the next three years. So we're only giving you a two-year contract. So we stay up. That player's electric, and in twelve months' time, he's only got twelve months left on his deal, and he goes he goes we've on the cheap. We've seen it. We've seen yeah. it with players like yeah. Steven and Zanzi, Asmir Begovic. I think they're all on reasonably yeah. long-term deals anyway. But yes, there, there's 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 certainly to the to the contract situation, two sides that coin. Yeah, um, and but there only seems to be one that come because that's the one that played out. It's like used as a massive stick, and it's like, well, yeah. The thing is, it things could have worked out very differently, and if you're giving short contracts out, you'd be then beating him with that stick to say, why didn't you tie him down to a long term deal? Why is he? Only, yeah. Why did you only give him a two year contract? And you also don't sign somebody like Ke- Kevin. You don't sign Kevin Vimmer for the amount of money we pay for him, full stop. But if you're going to, you don't pay £18 million for a defender and then give him a two- or three-year deal, do you? You give him a long-term contract because you've just you've said how much faith you've got in him by paying £18 million quid. As ill-gotten as that faith was. <laughs> and to be honest, if you think about it, with what happened this summer with a massive clear-out, that was only possible because we got all our ducks in a row. Was it slightly convenient? Eh, possibly, yes. But I think there's there must have been some foresight in mind of going, no, I don't think we did see relegation coming. You, you'd be a fool if you did. But I think d- d- it, w- it, w- it was a really bad plan B, <laughs> but it was a plan B. There was a plan B there, like, right. By the time parachute payments run out, these contracts will be off the books, and that happened. Um, and we got to give Skulls some credit for that. I, 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 I hesitate a little bit because I was, 
as we've mentioned, they were stupid contacts on for, for stupid players. And we made so many mistakes on personality. Berahino, Wimmer, Hesse, Mbola, prime examples. Even players like Ndai, Atebo, yeah. Afobe. We didn't really learn from that mistake in terms of character, did we? Um, that's that. That's my biggest stick I'll beat him with. Um, why? Why? Whoever was underneath you? Why did you not deal with that issue with these people that were recommending new players that their attitude stunk? Um, so that's it's the biggest stick I'll beat him with. Yeah, it's almost as if they were sort of buying him off a computer game. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But at the same time, I will say that we're over that hill. Yes, we got relegated, but it's not like other clubs where it's cost us our future. I mm. I I I think we've made the best of a very bad situation in the end. We we might be counting our lucky stars a little bit with COVID. I do appreciate that. But I don't think he's a stupid man, Tony Scholes. Far from it. I think what he does um, with money, I think he's very clever with it. Um, I guess my biggest criticism of him for the whole time, apart from what I said about you know not identifying the issues when they were there, clearly, was he was just a bit conservative. He was just a little bit scared of taking a risk in in certain other aspects. He he wouldn't do anything that was unfamiliar to him. You know, some of the initiatives that we put out were fantastic. Things like City Sevens, right? I know a lot of clubs do similar, but but it's a great engagement thing. We do so much for the community. I'm sure that was like a pioneer scheme as well. I'm sure we were the first to go with Exactly, scheme. right? Um, but but things like social media. We're very behind him. Um, I think you mentioned in terms of structure, we are very traditional. Um, the match day experience is, is is very traditional, I find, which is fine if that's what you like. But, you know, if you want to be attracting modern fans, you've got to be moving with the time somewhat. And I think we are behind in a lot of respects with that. Um, I know that ideas have been pitched to the club before and and, you know, we we know from experience that 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 the club won't do things unless they're absolutely sure that it'll work, um, because that's a financial risk, and sometimes these risks have to be taken for the reward. We've seen that with signing players, for goodness' sake. Um, sometimes you can sign a player for for pittance or on a decent amount of money, and they can double, treble, ten x their value, and it can turn out the other way too. Um, but we just seem to be much more conservative off the pitch than we were, particularly on it. It was a bit hypocritical, wasn't it, when you know we wouldn't introduce some initiatives because they were a bit risky, and then we were signing stupid players on stupid money. Um, but then again, none of us are chief executives of a big football club, so to some degree, what position are we to 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 have a go? We don't know what goes on inside the club, um, but. I guess at the end of the day, it is just very, very, very conflicting. I'll, I'll be, I'll be. It'll feel a bit like when Pulis left. I don't know if you felt the same when I felt a bit, like a bit empty when he left. I, I, I was sort of happy he was gone because he, he, he wasn't good for us at the time, but he was such a big part of us that. What what now? <laughs> what what do we do now? This club is going to change, and I just hope whoever comes in next they've 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 got big shoes to fill because this is a great football club, and they've got to treat it with the utmost respect because it 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 can be very fragile as we've seen. So we're going to take a break in the pod there now. And we'll fi- pick it up on Monday where we'll finish off the debate on Tony Scholes' departure and round everything up there. And then we'll have a little review of the season so far as well. See you then. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.